So this morning we're going to be continuing our series through the book of Ephesians. It's called Sit, Walk, and Stand. Today's title of our sermon is The Perspective of Prayer. We're going to be closing out uh, the book of, uh, sorry, the chapter 3 of book of Ephesians. And we're going to be looking into this profound prayer that Paul has for the church. He's expressing his desire for the believers of God, the followers of God to be strengthened um, by a few things. One of those things is God's love for us, but also the limitless abilities and power of the Lord to flow through his love. And also, too, for God's church to be filled with the fullness of God. And that's something that we have to take very seriously because it's not just something that he's recommending or he's prescribing. It's actually what we are as a church. As you're turning to Ephesians chapter 3, I just want to uh, connect a few dots for you. Um, I'm going to look put 1 Corinthians chapter 3 on the screen. I want you to notice this Bible verse. This is going to set the pace. It's kind of a bridge between what Pastor Ryan said last week. Pastor Ryan did a great and masterful job of explaining to us why it's such a big deal for the, the Spirit of the Lord to come into our lives and into our hearts. Look at the, the verse on the screen. It says, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? And that God's spirit dwells in your midst. Now, if you think about that, that's a very powerful verse for this particular moment. A lot of people believe that they come to church, and that's what they do. They come here uh, and get spiritually filled up like a spiritual gas tank, right? And we get filled all the way to full, and then we go out throughout the week, and we expend all that spiritual ministry that took place on Sunday and come back and get filled again. But this scripture actually says the opposite. This scripture says... You are that spiritual power that flows and that you are the church. And that as the temple of God, the spirit of God resides in you as a living temple. And when you go out, ministry doesn't just like happen here and then you drain. You are the beginning of ministry. You are also the end of ministry in your marriage, in your family, in your job place, in your neighborhood. You're it. And so as much as you might like it, Pastor Ryan and Pastor Craig and Joey can't follow you around and continue doing ministry after church. Uh, it's just not going to happen. It doesn't work that way. My wife wouldn't let me do that. But the Holy Spirit will go with you. No matter where you go, the Holy Spirit is present and working inside of you. So that means ministry is taking place in two different ways. Ministry is taking place to your own heart. And ministry is now also flowing out from your heart. And so you have to understand that there is something that we're going to be describing here in uh, the book of Ephesians as what is God's prescription to you as the temple of God? How do you need to prepare? How do you need to conduct yourself? How should you get ready for the Lord to move through the temple? Um, Pastor Ryan made a really a strong point that, you know, as people of, of Israel, the center of their culture was Jerusalem. And what was at the center of Jerusalem? the temple. And once a year, a priest would go into the temple and the glory of the Lord, the Shekinah glory, the spirit of God would descend upon that temple. And it was a really serious moment because all of Israel would turn its attention because the Lord is here and present and is going to speak to that priest. 
Now, let me tell you how powerful this moment is. The priest would not only have to ceremoniously prepare for this moment, he would have to spiritually prepare for this moment because the priest would actually go into the Holy of Holies to sprinkle the blood of the sacrifice right on the mercy seat. And, but that would mean that that priest would have to be prepared. If he was unprepared and he was found unrighteous, what would happen in that moment? He would die because he was not righteous to stand before the Lord. Now, take that particular fact, take that knowledge, talk to an early church Christian who happened to be a Jew, and then look them in the eye and say, and we want to take that spirit and put it inside your body. You could imagine how powerful that moment was. It wasn't something they would take lightly. They would look on it with probably awe-inspiring reverence, but also fear like, wait, hold up. Um, I went to rabbi school and I failed out. I'm a fisherman now. Um, but the rabbi that I hoped that was righteous for our nation, because he's Mr. Holy and the one that goes in there once a year, if he dies and he's unrighteous enough, what, what hope do I stand for? Enter in the love of Jesus Christ on the cross. And Jesus Christ would say this, the Holy Spirit would say this, God himself would say this, the goal was always for the whole spirit of the Lord, the whole Trinity to dwell in you. Now, understand this as you're looking through that particular case, you're looking through that, that particular expectation that God has, what do you think he hopes to do through you as the temple of God? filled with the Spirit of the Lord and His limitless power operating in you through His love. It changes how you see everything. We're going to connect that to uh, Paul's moment. We're going to overlap a little bit with Pastor Ryan's teaching last week. Look at Ephesians 3, verse 10. And you're going to see why we have to spiritually align with the Lord before we move forward. It says, verse 10, His intent was now that through the church, so God's intent intent through us, the church, that's us in the room right now, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Just stop right there. That's exactly what we talked about. We are unholy vessels that are sprinkled with the blood of Jesus Christ, right? And we are forgiven. And now we've been made holy. Now we are the living temples of God, filled with the manifold wisdom of God. Now look at verse 12. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. No longer fearful looking at the temple. We are the temple. Now we're approaching with freedom and confidence with humbleness that we've been forgiven for our sins, but with boldness that God said, you are now my temple. So now we're acting like that, right? We're, not, we're no longer just afraid. We're going, wait, I didn't say I was a temple. You said I was a temple, so I'm going to do that. Look at verse 13. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. Now, I want to remind you, as Paul is writing this, letter to the book or to the church of Ephesus. He's chained to a Roman soldier. Now the church of Ephesus would be kind of like a modern day church of Calvary Chapel of Sebastian. They were really big into like uh, outreaches like the Freedom Fest that we're going to do at the river, uh, the Riverwalk Park, right? In the Riverview Park or Day of Compassion. Some of you guys participated in that where we went and blessed 
uh, uh, widows and helped with their homes, correct? So we did all this kind of outreach. The church of Ephesus was known for this kind of expression of God's love in the community. But they were kind of torn up inside because they were like, but wait, why is Paul one of our own who's loved by God, the living temple of God, filled with the spirit of God, why is he in prison? Why is he chained to a Roman soldier? And Paul is now writing back and goes, you guys don't understand. Whether good things are happening to you or bad things are happening to you, the work of the Lord is happening. You see, Paul would make this kind of a statement. You know, people think that I'm chained to a Roman soldier. These Roman soldiers are chained to me and God. Because there is a purpose and a plan and the work of the Lord is happening. We would know by looking back, you know, we have the hindsight is twenty twenty, but at the time they may not have known this. But a lot of those Roman soldiers would go on to be the people that planted the church of Rome that was so powerful to flourish under the noses of the Caesars and expand across the Mediterranean in Europe. Why? All because the work of the Lord was working through Paul and his prayer life. He's saying to them right now, don't you see the same glory that's working through me is the same glory that's working for you. So don't look at your circumstances. Look at the God of your circumstances. Which brings us to our first point. The purpose of our prayer life is to surrender our hearts to the will of the Lord. I believe that Paul had such a successful prayer life and a successful, uh, successful ministry because he was always submitting his heart to what God wanted and not what he wanted. He could say, oh, woe is me. I'm being arrested and thrown in prison. But everywhere he went, everybody got saved. In the prison, outside of the prison, through the prison. They throw him in a prison, an earthquake happens, right? And then the guard, the jailer gets uh, saved. And then they stone him and he picks up off the rocks and he goes back into the town and starts witnessing. And some of the people that just hit him with rocks get saved. I mean, it's just like wherever he went, it wasn't about him. It was about the work of the Lord through him. But first, he had to align himself to the wisdom of God, to say to God, you are God and I am not. So we have to put our lowly earthly self before the Lord. And I want to just let you know, you know what isn't a successful prayer life? I always like to look at the, the for and the against, right? Like, so what isn't a successful prayer life? Well, if I'm so focused on me that I miss God, then that's not a successful prayer life. If I demand God do what I want regardless of his will, that's not a successful prayer life. If I'm just very upset that I think my prayer life has failed because God is not doing exactly what I want, well, you know what? It could look like this. I'm like, God, why do I not have a flying unicorn that I could just fly around town? I've always wanted one. And he's like, Joey, you've killed three goldfish this week. Why would I give you a unicorn? <laughs> Rare of its kind. I think I know you, and I think I need to work on you in some areas. Why don't you let me be God and you don't? And so I have to stop looking at prayer as like a Pez dispenser of my happiness. I have to start looking at my prayer life as I'm going to turn over the power and direction of not only my physical life, but my spiritual life to my supernatural God. Um, I'm going to let you know something very personal um, as I was preparing this teaching, spiritual battles were happening all around me, and it was just really tough uh, teaching to prepare. But that's because the Lord caught me being too focused on my own problems. I'm going to put up a picture. I made this for myself. 
I was fooling around on, uh, you know, the things. I was like, here's my problems. Here's where I was for the last two weeks. I was, woe is me. All I could see was my problems. And I was like, God, you're not Godding enough. I need you to deal with this. I can't even write. I'm mentally distracted. I'm exhausted. And I know that you know that I'm doing that. Why aren't you doing that? And we just sang this song that I think is so beautiful. It says, here I feel like I'm being crushed. I'm surrounded on all sides. But I don't realize I'm surrounded by God. God said, why don't you take a step back and zoom out and see what I'm doing? And so that's what I did. I took a step out and to look at what all that God was doing and how little my problems felt in the hands of God. There's this moment that my, um, my son, um, he just got glasses. It was kind of weird. Um, he was like so excited. He goes, Dad, I want to have glasses. I'm like, you don't want to have glasses. I have glasses because my eyesight is poor. And he goes, Dad, I want to look just like you, and I want to wear glasses. And I was like, well, maybe we'll get some fake glasses. We go to the eye doctor. Turns out he needs glasses. And he is so excited to get glasses. And I almost missed that moment to pour into my son to make a connection to him, like how to use the glasses, how to take care of them, how to look, what the glasses are going to do for you, all because I was so caught up in my own problems. You know, sometimes we miss the bigger picture because we're so caught up in the blinders. And the Lord is saying, yeah, cast all your cares on me. I'm not ignoring your problems. But you have bigger things that are more important that take precedence in your life. And you have to let everything fall into its rightful place. My problems fit in my life like that if my God is that big. I want to let you know, before I did this teaching, I was really struggling with what to say. I was kind of having a writer's block, and the Lord was like, as you zoom out, why don't you let me lead? And I said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to reread the passage, and I'm going to pray. So I prayed before I read it, and I prayed after I read it. So everything that you see that comes out of this teaching today, I own none of it. It all belongs to the glory of God. So if you can join me in our actual passage for this reading, like I said, we connected the last week. We're going to connect to this week. Look at verse 14. For this reason, now you know why I had to go back, so you know I, what's the reason? For the glory of God. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. I pray that out of the glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts, and have faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's people, holy people, to grasp how wide and long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we all, all ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And that is a sermon in and of itself. Can you imagine collecting all the imaginations of all the holy people of the planet and God going, take all of that and I can do more than that. Imagine all of that. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at this ladder, and I want to watch you go through this with me. As we go through this ladder, we're going to be rising up by going down. Like I said before, 
Kneeling before the Lord is not a prescription that God is asking us to do, although it is good to kneel before God. The prescription um, of the Old Testament is was the people would come into the sanctuary or to the synagogues and temple, and they would stand and pray. And you know who got to sit? The teacher. Isn't that amazing? How quickly would you be doing one of these at the end of service if you were standing all service and I was in a big comfy chair right now, right? You'd be like, all right, pastor, get to the end. But back then, they actually would stand and they would also stand and pray. But Paul is entering something new to the new covenant. Kneel before the Lord. But it's not necessarily that you have to get on your hands and feet before the Lord all the time because that might not always be feasible. But I would say this, how many times have you bowed your heart before the Lord? To pre to plead fealty to the king of kings, to the king of your kingdom. I'm just saying this is not an act of humiliation, but a sign of a humble heart. The humble heart says this, God, you are God and I am not. So let me start off my prayer that way. So the first thing that we need to do is spiritually align with God. That's our first point of the day. We want to spiritually align with God. Look at verse 14 again. It says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. What are we doing? We're spiritually connecting to God in the right and true proper way, right? He is Father. We are not. We are the children. He is King. We are the citizens of the kingdom. He is Creator. We are creation. It's just the right thing to do to say, you are in charge and I am not. And I'm ready to listen. I'm ready to listen. This is what we do in the presence of a king. It, it, the king, it's, a, it's a, a natural alignment. And so this is a sign of our humble heart before the Lord, is that we can do this. Now, I will say this. I've had many a great prayer where I've like pulled the shades down, right? Maybe played some instrumental music at home so I don't hear any of the guys mowing the lawn or whatever. I don't get distracted by the neighbor's dog. I just get down on my knees before the Lord and pray. But more importantly, once again, I just want to say this. Is your heart humble before the Lord in your prayer life? I love how David says this. David is very tender to God. Look what he says in Psalms 139. This is him in his prayer life. Doesn't mean he's great, doesn't mean he's perfect, doesn't mean he's holy, but this is how he approaches his prayer. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way. But what kind of way? An everlasting way, in the way of everlasting. I love this because you can see that David has a sensitivity to who he's praying to. It's not just that he has a sensitive heart. He has a sensitivity to who he's praying to. He says, you're the teacher, I'm the disciple. So I'm ready to listen. Search in me. Remove the bad and replace it with the good. I want you to know, God never does anything in a vacuum. He doesn't just come into your life and knock out sin, right? And then just leave that as a vacuum as a whole that's rather than goes, all right, work it out from here. No, he always knocks out the bad and replaces it with the good, but you know how good the good is? It's himself. It's himself in heaven. It's our Father. It's our holy, heavenly God. He replaces all the bad with the eternal, with the everlasting. What a giving God. And so that's what I think is so special in the, in the prayer life of David. Do you have the courage to pray that to God? Do you have the courage to stand before God and say, remove what's bad and replace what's good? I think this is why David was called a man after God's own heart because he wasn't afraid to dive in 
and take away that which separates him from God to replace with what brings him united with God. I love how this kind of points us to be aligned with God because it's, it points to John chapter 3, which we went through last year, is I must decrease so that he can increase. Have you ever just looked in the mirror and just been a little sick of yourself and been like, I need a whole lot more Jesus and a whole lot less of you? That was me this last two weeks. I had to say, you know what? I have to let my natural man give way to my supernatural God so that he could supersede all these problems that I'm dealing with that I can't control. So what we're going to do today is because Paul has been so serious about this prayer over the church, we're going to take a moment. I'm going to give you an opportunity. God's going to give you an opportunity to spiritually align with him today. So if you guys can, bow your heads and bow your hearts, more importantly, and let's pray this to God. Lord, I love you, and I know you love me, and I know I don't always do what you want me to do. I don't always submit to your will, but right now I'm going to. I'm going to open up my heart to you, and I'm going to say, you be God, and I won't. I won't get in your way. I'll just let you do what you do. I will let you be God, because I am your creation. I am your child. You are the Father. Let I want you to lead. I want you to rule. I want you to do good things in my life. I've been getting ahead of you. I've been getting in your way. I've been tripping and falling in front of you. And now it's time for me to let you be the shepherd and me be the sheep. It's a good position. It's a great place. So today, I confess that I've got ahead of you, but now I want to fall behind and follow you. You are king, and you are Lord of lords, and you live in my heart. Amen. So what we're going to see there, and I just want to let you know, just as a description, why I think that's such an easy prayer to do over time is um, I have these moments where um, I do baking with my boys. And uh, this is like a new thing I'm into. I like pulling up the little chairs up to the counter because they can't reach, putting them up there, and then we pull out some bowls and we start throwing the stuff together. And I'll let you know, this is very apparent in my life, and it's kind of realized, man, theology really works really strong through my kids. I have a recipe for chocolate chip muffins. Love those. I'm like, yes, let's do this. Let's bake this. Let's have these out all during the week, and we can snack on them whatever we want. And I love when they're little hands. They, they look at the recipe, and they're excited, and they see that I'm excited, and I pull out all the ingredients, and we put the flour, you know, and all the different stuff, the eggs, and we put the chocolate chips. Next thing I know, a whole banana's going in the bowl. A little tiny T-Rex ends up in the bowl and some Legos. And I look over to them, I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And they're like, isn't it great, Dad? We're making stuff together. And I'm like, wait, 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 why don't you let me show you what success looks like when we bake, because this ain't going to be a great muffin. How many times have we been out of spiritual alignment with God? And one good prayer can bring us right back to the recipe of success, which is you are God and I am not. I want you to do what you do. That's the first step in the ladder. And you can see already we've raised our perception. We've also raised our expectation, which brings us to our second rung of the ladder. Look at verse 16. Remember I said, nothing happens in a vacuum. We were to say, Lord, I'm weak before you. You are God. Verse 16, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit in your inner being. So when we acknowledge that God is in control, what does he fill us with? His power. 
Because why? You know what we're doing? We're not getting ahead of him. We're not trying to do it in our own power. We're looking at the big picture. God, come work in your temple. Come do ministry, not just through me, but to me. Which means this, we have to allow our spirit to be strengthened by the Holy Spirit. I always like to look at this moment because um, I laugh because I'm sure God laughs. Proverbs 19 says, you can make plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. How many times have I made plans and God's plan superseded my plans and I went, oh, that's so much better. I'm so glad we went with your plans and not my plans because looking in hindsight, everything would be on fire right now. And that's an issue that we have in our identity. That's what was being unveiled to us right now. Think about it this way. What is a car without gas? In Florida, a very expensive seat in the middle of the heat, right? I mean, if a car doesn't have gas, we can't go. If a car doesn't have gas, nothing's turning on. If a car doesn't have a gas, we're pointless. You just think about what is a Christian not filled with the Holy Spirit? And so I love this particular moment because it's more than being aligned is we're being filled with God's power. And what kind of power does God have? Limitless power. Imagine you being filled with the limitless power of God as you step into the calling of your life, as you step into your marriage, as you step into your parenting, your coworkers' relationships, being a boss or being an employee, filled with the power of God. So what we're going to do now is because that's super important for the Lord. If you've been going through life, if you're in a battle, if you're experiencing problems and you need the spirit of the Lord, let's humbly again bow our hearts before the Lord and pray this prayer. And we're going to pray the scripture back to the Lord. Lord, you said that out of your glorious riches, you would strengthen us by your Holy Spirit. Well, we want to be rich in spirit. So with your luxury of grace and mercy, pour out your spirit on us. Lord, you said in Philippians that you began a good work in us and you will complete it. Do it by your spirit. We open ourselves up to you right now. We need to be strengthened by you. As we face the world, we just want to pray this prayer to you. Greater is the one that is in me than versus the one that is in the world. Lord, we believe that. We speak that to be true. And we now... Proclaim that to you in this prayer. Only your Holy Spirit can win. Only your Holy Spirit can revive. Only your Holy Spirit can bring zeal and passion to us as Christians. Fill us up as your living temple. And all God's Christians said, amen. Now moving forward, we are going to be moving towards the third rung of the ladder. Look at verse 17. It says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people. It's amazing to think about this. If you align yourself with the Lord first, and then you let yourself be prepared by the power of the Holy Spirit, what do you become? You become the living, dwelling abode of Jesus Christ himself. Can you imagine seeing Jesus Christ looking at your heart, sprinkling it with the blood uh, of the cross, and then also being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and going, and I want to make that my seat of power as I speak the gospel to the world. You, 
You being the front lines of ministry. You being the living temple. You being the place that when people deal with the same problems as you deal with and you have victory, the only reason you have victory is because Jesus Christ is sitting on the throne of your heart. You. He selected you. I am like mesmerized by that idea that God could look at this broken vessel and going, and that's where I want to live. So let's get to work. I need you to align with me. I need you to be rooted in me. And I want you to be held in what does it look like here? Love. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love. I think this is why people of the world get so confused when they look into the church and don't see Christians filled with Christ. Um, this is kind of an interesting moment of reflection for us. We're not talking about this church in particular, but let's think of the American church. In the last three years, has the American Big Seed Church reflected God's love in every situation that has arised? No, no. I mean, you would be say, if we were giving ourselves a report card, we would be nowhere near an A, would we? And that's because I think that there's a lot of people that are walking into church without Christ, ready for Christ to speak and Christ to do this work and Christ to be the shepherd. We can never shepherd the world until we are shepherded well by our Christ. We can never shepherd our household unless we are shepherded by the God of our household. We can never lead until we are led by our God. But first, we have to be rooted in him. That's why I think we can never look to the world for inspiration. I love how Jesus says this in Luke chapter 6. He says, as for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, that's the tough part, right? I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. So when the flood came and the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it because it was well built. What would the church look like today if all the Christ followers in this room and every room were rooted and established in God's love? I, I sometimes think it's like the Lord has asked me to go and I feel like a, a a plane without wings. I have no lift. I have no up. You know, I have no forward. And I go, it's because I'm not rooted in Jesus Christ today. So first I go back and be aligned. And then I move into this place where I am filled with the Holy Spirit. And then I say, Jesus, come and lead me. And I love in Matthew 22, this is what Jesus being led looks like. Jesus replied, love the Lord God with all your heart. How much of your heart? All of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. Does Jesus have that place today? Verse 38, this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and all the prophets hang on these two commandments. Do you know that last part is the entire Bible is summed up in two commandments. The entire Bible. The whole of the Bible, the whole of the gospel looks like this to you. Your life should be summed like this. You are humbly aligned with God, and now you are looking forward and looking up because you're looking towards heaven, not to this world. Do you know that the words of the Lord that remain in your heart will last forever? I hope I ruffle just a little bit of feathers when I say what I'm about to say. 
I won't be unapologetic about this part. I will say this. Did you know that long after MSNBC, CNN, and Fox News go away, the, the word of the Lord will remain? And it will burn in your heart forever. And you will stand strong in the face of everything from here to eternity because of the word of the Lord. And that is what it's saying right here. Just think of how the world would now turn and look at us. The world already knows that the, that the atmosphere, the, the place that we live is a cor corrupt and complicated place. But imagine if they turn and look inside of the church and they see something so simple. Love God, love people. Why are you doing so good today? I'm just loving God and loving people. But have you seen the news? I'm just loving God and loving people. Ah, the news is right here, but what is the news inside of God's hands? What is the news inside of God's love? What is the news inside of God's power? What is God about to do? Do you know for 2,000 years, Christians have experienced persecution, threats of death, annihilation, genocide, and yet what are we doing today? Reading the word of the Lord in the house of worship. Why? Because he is moving forward, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are moving forward. And so unless our prayer life is immersed in the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ, we will not experience this victory. So today, once again, as Christ is praying, as Paul is praying, let's pray for that in our church. Will you pray with me? Bow your heads. It says this, I love it, it's so important in Jeremiah chapter 7 that anyone who trusts the Lord is blessed, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots to the stream. We will not fear heat. Our leaves will always be green. It doesn't matter if there's a drought going on. We will never fail to bear fruit because Jesus Christ you never fail. And the storms will come, and the battles will come, but the word of the Lord will remain forever. And the rain and the storm will try to flood, but the house of God is the confession. We are the living temple. We will never move because Christ has never moved. And as he has never changed, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, so will we be with him as, a, as children of the promises of God we will stand on those promises from here to eternity. So, Lord, Jesus Christ, be king over this church. Be Lord over our homes. Be the Savior that burns in our heart. Preach the word and the gospel that we have been blood-bought and born again and redeemed through you, and now we walk from here to eternity with our good shepherd. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. It's good, right? Good prayer can change your perspective. Now, this brings us to the end of our prayer and ladder. Um, you can see the result is the second half of verse 18. It says, what's the result after being aligned with God, filled with the Holy Spirit, and then God or Jesus Christ dwelling in our heart? Look at that. We begin to grasp how wide and how long and how high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Let me ask you this question as you contemplate all these verses. What is the fullness of God? How big is that? Could it fill this room? Could it fill this planet? Could it fill this galaxy? 
And just think about this, God, all that he has. Now think about the fullness, the fullness of his beauty, his majesty, his power, his love, and him going, yes, 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 I want to take all of that and put that in your heart. I want to put that in your heart as you walk into that doctor's office to have that conversation. You and your spouse are in a fight. I want to put all the fullness of God inside of your heart before you walk into that debate you're about to have. I want to put that in your heart as you walk into that phone call or maybe a failed relationship with a child or prodigal son that's run away. I want to be the fullness that is inside your heart so that you don't look at your problems and only see that. You see me. And that you could place all of your problems in my hands and see that I am faithful. Does that change how you see the world? Now look at the end part of the verse, verse 20, where it says here, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we all ask or imagine, according to the power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I want you to physically see, because you can see now that I didn't just do some construction during the week and then I lazily left this ladder up. But I want you to see what can change in perspective. You know, this week when I was in my woe is me mode, I was down here in the dumps. I was down here in my problems. I was down here in my own anxiety and my fear. And all I could see was down here. And the Lord said, Joey, why don't you step away? First, let's, let's, we know the problems are still going to be there. You know that I'm going to take care of it. But let's, let's get you out of you. I need you to first align with me. And so now I'm taking a step away from my problems like this. Now, mind you, if anybody has an OSHA background, do not take pictures and show this to Pastor Craig. But I'm going to go pretty high. I just want to warn you to know. But now you can see I'm already a step away from my own problems, and I'm looking forward to what God has for me. So after I align myself with God, the next thing I do is I get filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, and now my perspective is totally changed, right? Now I'm looking in a whole different way. I'm like, God, wait, wait, wait. What is the power of the Holy Spirit going to do? Because I have a different expectation when it's me versus my problem versus the Holy Spirit versus my problem, okay? And now that I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm now filled with Jesus Christ. And I go, Jesus Christ, you've already defeated sin and death. You've already defeated grave and hell. What else do you want to defeat today? It's a whole different perspective. How much further away am I from my problems? How much of a hold do my problems have on me? And how much of a hold does God have on me at this point? How much stronger is that grip of the Lord? And now, for everyone be very careful. By the way, we have monthly Monday prayers, so if I do fall, just leave me here. (laughs) We'll just take care of it. Pastor Ryan is medical, so he can take care of me. But as I'm up here, you're just going to understand this one thing. In the fullness of God, I have a whole different perspective. I'm just going to use a small case. If you have a problem in your marriage... How much is it different when you're down there in the muck, in the mire of that problem versus up here to see what kind of things that God has in store for your marriage? It's a different perspective, isn't it? Up up here with the fullness of God, I can see problems far off. You know, one time I got an opportunity to go up into a, a fire control tower 
um, up in Georgia. And I got to see, because when we were down in the forest, we would see smoke just blowing in the wind, right? And you don't know where the fire is blowing in the forest. But up here, I could see where the problem was. Not only could I see where the problem is, the fireman that was sitting next to me goes, let, let me show you how to deal with the problem from up here. Up here, from a heavenly perspective, God can show you the problem and how to deal with it. Because you're now no longer caught up in yourself. What are you caught up in? God, what are we going to do today? God's like, we? No, no, like he's like, you and me, what are we going to do today? What is the Holy Spirit going to do? You know what? Marriages that are up here, you know what they have? They have hope. Families that are broken apart, you know what they have up here? A faith and redemption of the Lord Jesus Christ because we're not down here in the weeds. We're up here in the belief. We're up here in the faith. We're up here in the, in the power of the word of the Lord. And I can tell you this, as I prepare for these particular moments and I see the problems far off, we know what I'm looking to do. I'm looking up. I'm not looking down. Now, not to destroy my sermon illustration, I will climb down now and look down. Yes. <laughs> so I want you to think about this as we prepare for communion today. Um, I want you to understand that the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians was this, your identity in God. We are not the people down here. We are the people up here. We are the same people that are still struggling with the same problems that the world is, but we're preparing for those problems in a different way because we're preparing by the power of the Holy Spirit, aligned with God spiritually, and filled with the leadership of Jesus Christ. That is who we are. That is the very foundation of being rooted and established in God's plan to be held together in God's love, which just brings us back to this point. We have to be surrounded and filled with God's love and his fullness by being one thing, less of us and more of him. The bigger picture is there is a precedence to what we need. We need God more than we need a conquering of our problems. Now that will come. The Lord did say, remember I said, he cast, said, cast all your cares and your burdens on me. We'll get to that, but we have a bigger need to lower ourselves so that we could be raised spiritually. So we are the church. We're strengthened by spirit. We're filled with Jesus Christ and caught up in the fullness of God. We're going to close on this prayer. We're going to pray verses 21, sorry, verses 20 and 21 to God. So as we bow our hearts before the Lord, we'll close in this way. God, we know you can do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. According to your power, that's work in us. So that we could become the living testimony to your glory as your church. And that glory and those promises and those blessings will flow not only to us, but all the generations after us, because that's how beautiful you are forever and ever. Amen.